Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show. I'm Kyle Coster. My interview today is with Johnny Joey Jones. He has a new show on Fox Nation, which debuts May 28th, called USA Inc. It's a five-episode series that examines the history of tattooing and its pervasive spread throughout American culture. Jones goes behind the scenes of the modern tattoo industry and explores where it may go in the future. There's even a segment where he gets tattooed on camera. We talked about his tattoo journey how the series came to be, and what place tattoos have in American culture right now. It was an interesting conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. I guess the first thing I want to know is, how far back would we have to travel in your life that you would be surprised that you're doing a show chronicling the history and the cultural significance of tattoos? Well, really not that far back. A couple of years ago, um, I wouldn't think I'd be doing a show about anything. <laughs> and I would go on television and kind of comment on current topics. But hosting, uh, to really be the one that gets to bring the information to people and ask the questions that the people watching want, want to ask, um, that type of opportunity is, is incredibly new in my life. But tattoos have been a part of my life for a really long time. So I uh, got my first tattoo in 2005, right out of boot camp in the Marine Corps. We call that a moto tat or a stupid stamp. And uh, it was an Eagle Globe and Anchor. And I have just been really um, in love with the experience of getting a tattoo ever since. And I try to be moderated in, in how often and what kinds I get, but I, I enjoy the experience quite a bit. You tell me about the experience of getting that first one. You know, for me, my, my dad had one tattoo and it was an eagle on his left shoulder and it was dark because there was a devil there before. And when he got with my mom, she's like, yeah, that's not happening. So he had to cover it up with an eagle. And that was my only experience with tattoos growing up. I, I didn't have anything against them, but they weren't a part of my life experience. When I went to the Marine Corps, I wanted to earn a title. I wanted to prove to myself a lot of things uh, and foremost that I could do it and and carve a path for myself in this world outside of like what my parents did. It's, you know, that's my lineage. Every, you, know, you do what your daddy did because he taught you how to do it. And, um, and so I remember when I got to 29 Palms, California, which somebody told me there are certain things in every military town. There's tattoo parlors, barber shops, and places of ill repute. And that's about it. That's, you can count on those things in every military town. So as soon as I got to 29 Palms out of boot camp, there were a lot of tattoo parlors there. And I flirted with the idea. And I remember realizing one day, I'm now in charge of everything about me as far as my personal life goes. And it was like, that was kind of a new thing. I didn't have to ask my parents about something. I didn't have to get money from my parents about something. And tattoos were kind of like that next step, I guess, in independence almost. And so I'd earned the title Marine. 
I had drawn this cool little eagle globe and anchor, but like under the skin, kind of torn when I was in a part of training right after boot camp. And it's like, that's it. I'll go get this tattooed on me. And I think to kind of bring this story together, what made it fun is when you go to get a tattoo, there are different types of tattoo shops. There's some you can go pick a sticker off the wall and that's what you want. And, and they can do that just fine. And they're the ones where there's real artists there that kind of create with you. And this probably was more of the former. It was a run of the mill tattoo shop outside of a military base. And I went with a buddy. And I think what I really like about the story is the buddy in, in quotes um, is the kind of guy that just told tall tales about everything was and didn't have a lot of personality of his own. So I got my tattoo, um, which was the Seagull Globe and Anchor, and he got a psalm on his arm. And like, I don't think he even wanted to get a tattoo until he realized I was getting one. And so I got my tattoo. The guy did really well. I think he got tired. And when he did my buddies, he misspelled psalm. So I like dodged a bullet there because I didn't. I probably didn't pick the best shop or best artist, but my tattoo didn't have any words, so it was okay. Yeah, that's a silent P that uh, that picks <laughs> a lot of people up. Uh, normally, it's a mistake that you can look past, but it's on someone's skin forever. There's, uh, yeah. you know, but maybe that's a story. That's that's uh, that's a baseline. It can't get any worse than you know, we've all seen the picture of the no regrets with yeah. RAG. <laughs> uh, it's funny too that uh, well now we had a story to tell. So yeah. it seems like. It seems like what you're saying is tattoos kind of the gateway for you was to feel an added level of independence and assert your own place. And what more of a bold statement to make than this is who I am for the world to see. Everybody who comes into contact is going to know this about me by looking at where'd you get it on your arm? Yeah, it's on my left shoulder. I mean, you know, I've got it's the one tattoo as well that has never been touched up. So, you know, I got that tattoo back in 2005 and wow, that was a long time ago. Anyway, um, so it's the one tattoo I'll leave alone. I, I technically drew it myself, although the Eagle Globe and Anchor has been around for a while. And um, I think the, the moral of the story I just told was I learned on my very first tattoo to take your time and pick the right tattoo shop and somebody that you can believe in. The artist did well enough with mine, but if I'd have got something with some words in it, I might've been singing a different song and just really how personal that experience needs to be. And certainly impulse tattoos are fun. And, and I've got a few that I don't regret at all, but the idea of putting some work into it um, became a part of every tattoo after that. I did a series where I talked to five or six people in media about their tattoos. They walked me through each and every one of them, the meaning behind it, where they got it, what it represents, stuff like that. And my takeaway experience was that though tattoos are fairly pervasive and you don't have to go far to find someone who has one, you don't have to go far to find someone who has 25, it's not this monolithic culture at all. It's everybody approaches them in their own way. The opportunities are endless for what you can get on your body where you get it on your body, and most importantly, what they mean to you. Tying it back to the series, USA Inc., where did you decide to start? How did you decide to start? My involvement in this show is simple. When, when Fox Nation is doing a show on tattoos, uh, being a, a more conservative-oriented group of people, and you're looking for the right person to host the show, like the one or two guys at the network who know and are proud of their tattoos. It's, it's a little bit of a short list, I guess. And so 
I got asked to be a part of this because a few years ago, I got a tattoo on my right bicep and it was political in nature, but good natured. Um, and I live streamed it and it kind of made news itself. And I really wasn't thinking about it when I did it. I just was answering questions and talking while I got this tattoo. And the producer that came up with this concept of telling the history of American tattoos and tattoos in the United States, he remembered that. He said, you know what? Joey Jones is the guy I want to be the face and voice of this project. And so that's how I got brought in. And, you know, it really what it comes back to, this is kind of a little bit higher, kind of higher level on life thing is I believe in laying the groundwork for anything you want to do. A politician once told me anybody can have an airplane, but it's the guy that makes his airstrip that gets to fly it. And so when you're always building your runway on stuff. And so I decided a long time ago to not hide my tattoos, even as I went into politics, to be proud of them, to not get anything tattooed on me I couldn't be proud of, and to make it a part of who I am. And I think in doing so, it led me to this project and made me the one that that was asked to, to host it. The first episode looks all the way back at kind of like the nascent origins of the first people to get tattoos. Were you surprised that it's such a lengthy history and that cultures that were even like fairly rudimentary in nature saw the value in using their bodies as art? I don't know. I think the biggest surprise was me is that um, 5,000 years ago, I think it was, when we found the, the ice man who has tattoos on his body. I think the surprise to me is like, I always wonder like, how do you know what plants you can eat and which ones you can't? Like, how do you know what's going to poison your body and what isn't? It's got to be trial and error at some point. And so I guess for me, it was like, I wonder, it really opened my mind to like, how did these cultures discover these things? Um, did someone accidentally prick themselves with ink and how, did they have ink? You know, so my mind just goes in different places. But as far as choosing to get a tattoo, being what I believe as an American, a part of our warrior culture, it makes complete sense that every warrior culture, it brings in body marking as a part of their um, story and a part of their motivation. I mean, when I put makeup on to go on live TV, to this day, I call it war paint. And so not because I want to go to war, but because like I'm preparing for this important thing that's about to happen in my life. And, I, and then after a battle, in the Marine Corps, I've gotten tattoos. So it, all those things kind of lined up for me. It's like, you know, I think what I took away from it most was take a language barrier down and I could probably have a conversation with that guy that's 5,000 years old about things that we see similarly and how as human beings, maybe we haven't changed all that much in, in, in some good ways. The, the, the tie that binds the warrior, warrior culture together, whereas there's the beforehand, there's the action, there's the afterwards. It's almost like this like, proven process of yeah. cycling through what you're going through. And, and though the weaponry has changed and though the conflicts have changed, there's still kind of that connective tissue. So did, you, did it make you feel like closer to everybody who's come before in a weird way? Oh, absolutely. And, and this project really gave me a historical reference to understand it, but it's something I think I've understood for a long time. I mean, Look at Pacific Islanders and Polynesians and, and how they view tattoos to tell their story and some of the uh, war classes there and not all of it being war oriented, but almost all of it being cultural and all of it telling the story of what your society has gone through. And in some cases, the role you played in it. And, um, you know, people ask me how many tattoos I have. It's like, well, 
on my left arm, I think it's 13 or 15 different tattoos, but they're really a tattoo, a sleeve that tells the, the chronological story of my service in the United States Marine Corps. And, um, and each individual tattoo means something, but put together, they all are a sleeve and they all tell that story of from the day I enlisted, basically, which is that left shoulder tattoo that we call a moto tat, to losing friends in combat and individual tattoos to symbolize that. I think what really is fun about this when you learn the history of tattoos in American society is how much veterans and people that are into tattoos have together. There are times when we are celebrated and there are times when we're pretty much outcast. And uh, I think that's probably why the history of military service and the history of tattoos intersect in so many different places. Being someone who served and seeing the connectivity that tattoos have like you like you're just talking about about how you could draw the lines between at times celebrated at times vilified at times not understood what is that community like like when you see someone who has a tattoo that indicates that they served is it like an unspoken bond what does that make you feel does it make you reflect you know, a couple of things build into this, like nothing ever exists in a vacuum. And so for somebody that served in the military, I, my biggest part of my identity before I was in the Marine Corps outwardly was I was a Georgian and I was proud of that. And the best way to show that is to be a Georgia Bulldogs fan, have a Georgia Bulldogs ball cap or license plate. So every single military base and installation I went to, I was always looking for that other guy or gal that was a Georgia fan. And then like on, on top of that, I guess what you build on that is you have this inherent nature to look for your people, look for somebody you have something in common with. And then you go through something like war and then you become or you become a Marine and you earn these titles and you become a part of these groups of people that you may have nothing else in common. Because I'll tell you, I had buddies from Southern California and we didn't speak the same language, me coming out of Georgia. But when you have something as simple as serving together in common, none of that other stuff matters so much because this is an important part of your life that you survived or even thrived in. And when you see that tattoo from a hundred feet away and you get closer, you're like, yep, that's an Eagle Globe and Anchor, or yep, that's, you know, in my case, a buzzer bomb and pick for the job I did. You automatically feel connected to that person. And I guess what I like about it is if, man, wouldn't it be cool if, if the way we interacted with people through unspoken language like that, um, had a more positive outcome. I mean, we make these judgments on people anyway, like from someone's race and ethnicity to their gender to the band they have on their t-shirt. Like it's human nature to try to understand things, to dissect them and understand them. But in today's world, stereotype becomes a part of that and derogatory or negative creeps its way in. And think of what I love about tattoos is as someone who gets them, I've learned to see those tattoos as a form of expression and it tells a story. And then when I meet the person, I kind of already know something about them and I found something I have in common with them. Can you tell me about a time where you have bonded over tattoos with someone who's had a different ideology than you? <laughs> yeah, I can. Um, here's what's so funny. How do you know a Texan? They're gonna tell you about it or they've got it tattooed on them. That's just the truth of it. And so um, I was in a bar in DC actually and I'd been going to Texas quite a bit, really enjoyed Texas. And I learned something about Texas is that they have an identity that, that supersedes their political identity, which is such a huge part of who we are as people now. They are Texan first. And I was in a bar in DC and this young lady walked up to me and she, um, she had a keep Austin weird tattoo on her. 
and um, you know, I don't know. I want to say she had colored hair, but she she had enough colors either through her makeup or her hair that that she was obviously leaned into expressing herself. And she said, you know, I saw you walk in the bar and you had those legs and then you took your jacket off and I saw you had those tattoos. And I just thought, man, that just really goes together. And so I made a joke and I was like, yeah, you know, I had these, I had this sleeve and I thought this just isn't a complete look. So I went and got my legs chopped off to kind of bring it together, you know, just kind of made a joke. But, uh, you know, we had a fantastic time talking about Texas and about Austin. I'd visited Austin and San Antonio and Dallas. I was actually about to move to Texas and was kind of decide which city area I wanted to move to. And she ended up selling me on that, that area down in Austin. And um, I don't think politics ever came up, but it, it probably is a safe bet to say we probably didn't side on the, on the same side of a lot of things. How did you make the decision? You mentioned earlier that you were never going to cover up your tattoos. In speaking with other people who are on air, it is a decision to be made. And lots of times it's not made by the talent. There's input from producers. There's input from executives. Do you remember the first time you were on air and your tattoos were showing, if there was ever a conversation, if it, if it registered with you, or what was that experience like? What made the decision for me was that my tattoo artist in Arlington, Virginia, went further down on my wrist than I meant for him to, and that just kind of made that decision there. Um, up until then, I had not made my mind up yet how I wanted to handle it, but I knew that the tattoos I wanted to have a sleeve for were worth it. And I'll be honest with you, I did not ever set my sights out to become a, a media figure or a political figure. That was never my goal. My goal was to speak for the veterans that I was recovering with, who I felt were misunderstood, and Congress was doing a, a fantastic job of not serving them. Um, and a lot of times it wasn't because Congress didn't want to, it's because we say in the military, you train for your last war, not the one you're fighting. And it was the same thing, like their Congress is looking at us as if we're all paralyzed in a wheelchair when we're this new generation of wounded veteran who uses prosthetics, which means we're super capable in some areas and not capable at all in others that are sometimes opposite of someone in a wheelchair. And I just was really, I was taken aback that nobody was taking the time to understand that. So I just wanted to be that voice. And then it turned into other things that I'm passionate about and, and eventually gaining a platform. But I had the fortune of becoming a media figure in the context of being not only a veteran of the most recent war, but a severely wounded veteran of the most recent war. And I think society by and large from the most conservative to the most liberal understands we are who we are. And if I'm cleaning my language up enough to go on TV, that's about as much as you should ask of me anyway. <laughs> you know, and I say that jokingly, but it's true. It's like we, we, we have learned to love each other inside of a military platoon, regardless of where we come from, what style we have, what our hobbies are, what our politics are. And so we don't make a habit of hiding it either. And so for me, my tattoos are representative of, of stories I want you to hear and be in be respectful of. I mean, Floyd Holly, Daniel Greer, Operation Roadhouse 2, the Marine EOD program, the Iraq war, the Afghan war. You should want to know about these things because these things happen on your behalf. And if my tattoos are what starts that conversation, great, but they won't be something I hide or am ashamed of. And I think society came to me a little bit. Congressmen started growing their beards out. And, uh, and, and you know, you have Kirsten Cinema, who's a big bright personality and she wears bright colors and thick framing glasses and you don't know if she's going to vote with Republicans or Democrats. And I think that just 
living in DC and then moving back into the regular world, politics, politicians understand they've got to represent all of us. And um, that means all of us get a chance to express ourselves too. It seems to me that, you know, going through that much trauma is, is one thing, but I, I always feel the pressure when it's on my shoulders, even if it exists or if even it's in my head, do you feel the weight of responsibility of, of being an outside voice about raising issues like that? How does that, how does that sit on your shoulders? Or is it something that you've been through the hardest things in life? So you're kind of like, you're, you have a steely reserve and you know how to handle that. And the challenges seem small. I, I, I have a hard time putting myself in those shoes because I feel like the weight of that responsibility would, would be very heavy on me. Responsibility is a great way to put it. Most people just ask me, hey, is it, is it scary to speak in front of a thousand people or talk to a million people on TV? And it's like, well, no, it's not a bomb. <laughs> so I used to take bombs apart. Like, but, um, you know, I learned a long time ago that we, we over and underestimate people based on the crowd mentality. Like we, we stand in front of a thousand people and because we want to speak to a thousand people or we're intimidated by a thousand, we don't have any individual conversations. And when you treat people as individuals, they're super gracious and they just want to hear who you are and what you have to say. And so that's how I handle this job. The responsibility I have is to not speak for people and to speak to people. It's not my job to carry the mantle for every veteran out there. But I have a veteran's experience and I have opinions about us veterans and or the people in the military. My job is to simply offer up ideas or solutions on the off chance I have one for people sitting at home to take in, chew on and say, I don't agree with that because of this, or I do agree with that because of that. The most frustrating thing about my world in, in political media is that too many people speak to you in an instructional voice and almost are telling you what to think. I don't want you to agree with me. I want you to know why you believe what you believe. And if somebody comes out and uses $10 words and um, references things that most general education people aren't going to understand, then they've talked over them, they've intimidated them. That's not my job. My job is to talk to my mom and dad sitting there and give them enough insight on this to go make their mind up. And uh, that is a great responsibility because I don't feel like enough people are doing it. Um, but you know, the biggest responsibility in the world of informing people is knowing just simply when to say, I don't know. I, I don't have a complete opinion on that because I'm still learning on it. And uh, I'm never afraid to do that such an important thing to say because what is the value in someone being stubbornly convicted and in, in saying that they have an answer when they really don't know i say that all the time in my own life where it's like i kind of have an opinion on this but i don't know i don't know and i would never like be so bold to say like i have the right answer like i would feel like a fraud about that so i think that it does take a lot of courage because incentive structures being what they are it's a hard place to be if you're not like it's same things happen in sports. Like, I don't know if LeBron James is the best player who's ever played basketball. Like, tell you what, he's probably top three. I know that's not a hot take. It's not going to get any uh, trending opinions, but that's just where I'm at with it. Well, politics and sports have so much in common. I have one of my closest friends to, to just talk about stuff with a guy named Gotham Chopra. His dad is Deepak Chopra. And Gotham owns a company called Religion of Sports. And Gotham is as liberal as the day is long. He's ever been as liberal as I may be conservative, but we love sports together. And we talk these analogies all the time. And even if we end up in the same or in a different place, 
we get there by talking to each other and understanding like in the Marine Corps says, every time you point a finger, you have four pointing back at you. So we use a knife hand instead. And the purpose of that analogy in the Marine Corps is to understand you can't tell somebody they're wrong unless you fix that in yourself. But in politics, I take that a step further and say, I can't tell you you're wrong just because I know I'm right. So I know my way of doing it might get us there, but your way of doing it might get us there too. I just might not like that way, but at some point we need to get there. And so, you know, the point there being, you got to keep that door open to other ideas and opportunities. And with sports, what more passionate argument can you have than arguing with someone, you know, in, in LeBron's generation and maybe someone in Jordan's generation over who the best basketball player is, you know, because that person that's grown up watching LeBron play and only knows Jordan through film it wasn't experiencing Jordan as it happened, but did experience LeBron. They're not going to deny what their eyes saw. Well, that person that grew up watching Jordan, they got the same thing, right? Like they saw Jordan firsthand. They saw the things that they didn't think could happen, happened when they happened. They can't deny what their eyes saw either. And that's such a great analogy for politics. No one's wrong in calling either one of those two people, the best basketball player we've ever seen. When you bring that over to politics, you guys, there's got to be some grace there, right? Like you got to understand that about the other person. Like you believe that because that's what your life led you to believe, not just because that's what the printout on the talking points of the day said. Tie a bow on this. When it comes to tattoos in American culture, there's a whole generation, if not more, that have a bias against tattoos. But that generation had a generation of children who went and got tattoos and did amazing things. And they have to come to terms with that and say, okay, well, maybe that expression for them means something different than it did for me because I grew up in a time where tattoos were symbolism of defiance. For them, it's a symbolism of pride and expression. And tattoos have evolved in this culture just like politics and sports have. And I think that all of these topics for me are the same. It's understanding the people around me. And I have a, a, a true desire to understand people, not to agree with them, but to understand them because I like to communicate and, and get to know folks and on the off chance, learn something. What were some of the more surprising things that you found out doing the research for this show? Well, I would be remiss to take credit for doing the research. I, the research was done mainly by the fellow I mentioned before, Aaron, and I got the chance to step in and tell the story. Um, my research was essentially having spent 20 years getting tattoos and understanding the culture as it exists today. Aaron introduced me to the culture as it has existed for hundreds and now thousands of years. And so my contribution was taking the show to a place in Salt Lake City, Utah, where a veteran who goes by Will XX and is one of the most eccentric people I've ever met tattooed me and put a tattoo on me that is both political, but also super patriotic in nature and, and is a talking point and designed to be that. And I can't tell you much about it because you gotta watch the show for the reveal. And so for me, really what it was, was learning the history behind this medium that had become a passionate part of my life and almost feeling like, oh, why didn't I read all this before I started getting them, you know, should I have? And the truth is no, because we're still making that history. And we, the thing about tattoos, if as much as anything, is you get to make it what you want it to be. But to learn, I think, for me, what was really interesting was to learn how tattoos had come in and out of acceptable society. Like there's a time where tattoos are outlawed 
and places like New York become the epicenter and they become this underground thing. But like anything else, everybody wants in on what you can't do. So kind of like prohibition, it's underground, but more and more people from established society are getting in on it. And this idea that the more you try to push something out of society, the better chance it has of becoming a staple of it. And tattoos have are a great case study on just that. We see it in marijuana, we see it in alcohol, we see it in other things. Um, and tattoos are just this, you know, ongoing iteration of that, that the further, if, if people have a genuine passion and interest in something, you can't frame it in the time you live in. You got to take a step back and say, you know what, that's not going away. Um, that's not ever going away. And I think society's to a place with tattoos where we accept them as a, as a very valid and important form of expression. And to know that there were times where in my lifetime, even they were not even legal in big cities. It really kind of blew my mind to learn that. I would imagine it's going to help if you're a tattoo enthusiast, you enjoy the show, but what can people who don't have tattoos, don't have any interest in getting them, why will they enjoy the series? I think that if you're a fan of this country, which I'm a big fan of this country, every my grandmother was a quilter. Every piece of fabric on a quilt is needed to have the quilt. And this is such a part of the fabric of our culture and who we are. Tattoos are just a medium to tell this story. You're going to learn about the evolution of our country, about our history, about how we decided as a society what was going to be on the fringe and what was going to be accepted and how things go from the fringe to acceptance and how human beings, especially Americans, are just so stubborn that once we care about something, we will not be pushed out and we will not be marginalized and we, we will not be told no. That's just, there's nothing more American than a freedom to make choices and tattoos are one of those. And you talk about wrapping up, you know, the first amendment into, a, into one piece. I mean, this is it. You have the freedom to go and take whatever risks people believe are there to, to express yourself. And no one's probably earned that more than the people that serve in our military. And if it weren't for them, we may not have a tattoo culture that we have today. And as a veteran, I just think if you're interested in any of that, this show is going to make a lot of sense to you. And probably you're going to learn some stuff that is, that'll be fun on trivia night. And this, this is part, the, the premiere of the show is part of uh, Fox Nation's Grateful Nation initiative, which is around Memorial Day. What does this time of year mean for you? Yeah, you know, Memorial Day is a day that I know everyone in the country has taken a moment, or I believe, to remind themselves um, of what the price of freedom is. And that's a very anecdotal and kind of cheesy thing to say, but it's true. I mean, we've gone through this war for 20 years. It's largely left our day-to-day -day society untouched, but there aren't many people in their lives as friends and family who haven't been touched by someone who's killed in action or served in this war. And when you when you wake up on Memorial Day, you probably have plans and it may be just a day off work or it may be a day on a lake. And those things are important. Celebrate those things, because what you're celebrating are those men and women and my buddies who gave that up, who gave every opportunity to smile again up and lay their life down so that we all can continue to do it. And if nothing else, when you're eating a hot dog or cracking, cracking open a beer, that's your opportunity to say, you know, I'm grateful for that. Like I'm, I'm not only going to have a good time, I'm going to have a great time. And that's my way of honoring those who laid their life down for us. And so Memorial Day for me 
is a full circle of emotions, but I've kind of got it figured out now. I take the opportunity to remember my brothers and sisters, and then I go out and celebrate the hell out of it. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.